Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Bill Hendricks joins us this hour to talk about a very important person. Join the conversation, 800-555-7898. Yeah, that's coming up here in just a, just a wee little bit. As we kick off the hour, though, my question for Steve Hiller is, since the other day you were wearing a bacon shirt to celebrate Friday, but yes. it was a periodic table kind of notation for bacon. Which... Yes, the periodic sign of BN for bacon. <laughs> and then a few days back, it was National Iowa Day, so of course you had to wear an Iowa shirt. Well, yeah, of course. Now my you, question is... You were waiting to is, see if I was going to go there, I, I was. I was giving you a little room, but I, I'm going to just say thank you for not going there. <laughs> but now my question is, because I know you have Canadian blood running through the family line. We, yes, we do. It is National Flag of Canada Day this 15th day of February. Really? And I do not see any denotation, demarcation of the Canadian flag going on across the way there. Uh, see, I stood in my closet this morning. Yes. And I almost grabbed something that was red. And maybe that's why. It was like my subconscious knew it that was, I should mm-hmm. w- have worn red mm-hmm. for Canadian Flag Day, but I did not. Maybe you need to let Dad Hiller know so he can wear his red He can today. wear his red, yeah. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> yesterday was Valentine's Day. And you didn't think to wear red yesterday? Nah, it's too predictable. Oh, my. Mm. Okay, what about I will not be constrained by social norms, Dawn. uh, Have you not figured that out yet? Yes, friend, (laughs) I have figured this out. Matter of fact, there are times that if we're going to do something that kind of needs, I don't know, or I would like, I'm not going to say it needs it, but I would like for things to be a little bit like teamwork, like can we all wear or whatever. I have to... I have to just about beg. Would you please put this on your calendar? Would you please? And you are a team player, so you you do accommodate. When you say please, I think I I try to remember to do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But here's another day that comes up on this national calendar that I just cannot. I just cannot. And I don't remember whether you can, and that is gumdrops. Today is National Gumdrop Day. That sugar gummy, yeah, gelatiny kind of. When I was a kid, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, all day. Now, extremely small doses. In fact, if you were to put a gumdrop in front of me right now, I would probably decline. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I did, it would probably be no more than three because at a certain point, like, okay, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. That, that escalated quickly. We went from no thank you to, okay, no more than three. Because <laughs> they're small. They're small. And, That's true. And they, they are kind of flavored. Well, that was my thing. Right? So you've got the green and the yellow and the orange and the red and whatever. I don't remember all the colors. But, yeah, there, there's like a, a hint of a flavor. So I'm like, well, I do kind of like the citrus ones. And so I think we've got orange and yellow and maybe even green. I'm trying to remember if those are lime. But... And, you know, I'm like, okay. And and that would be good. That's enough. I don't enough. recall them having a lot of different flavors. Colors, yes. Yeah. But I just don't remember if you grabbed a bag of gumdrops, if there were distinctive now, now flavors. Now I'm trying to remember. I, I know that some gumdrops did, but the now yeah, that I've pulled up this, sure. the same site I think you're looking at, I don't know that those had flavor. Yeah. Or were they just pure sugar? Sugar. Just pure sugar. And that's, I think, why 
I can't do. I probably as a kid, it would be the same though for me as jelly beans until jelly bellies came on the scene. Oh yeah, those are good. They're, those are dangerous. <laughs> now, can we just call hot tamales gumdrops? Then I I could see that. But you see what's happening there? Oh yeah, they get uh, spicy. They get spicy. What yes. about Mike and Ike's? Nope. No, not even not ever. Mm-mm. Oh no, yeah, they're yeah, no, they're good. They're better than gumdrops for sure. I just I think that all if you really pushed it, you could put all that under the umbrella because they're made similarly. But they are. is that is that? Similar to a dessert, you know how sometimes in cooking you you alter something just slightly and it becomes a completely different name. It, it, it could all be gumdrops, but I think that purists would say, no, Mike and Ike stand on their own. They do. Gumdrops, jelly beans, they all stand on their own. Hot tamales stand on their own. You think? Oh, yeah. They couldn't be lumped in with the whole gumdrop if you're looking for a way to celebrate without having to eat an actual gumdrop. Okay, so here's a small glimpse into my crazy mind. You know, we have a canine family, right? And within the canine family, there are all sorts of different breeds and things. You know, you've got wolves, you've got this type of dog, that type of dog, that type. And so I think maybe in some way you have the gummy family. But within the gummy family, there are, in a sense, breeds of gummy candy. Which means that you could eat a Mike and Ike or a hot tamale and call it National Gumdrop Day. You could, potentially. Yeah, but it's National Gumdrop Day, not Gummy Candy Day. So that'd be like <laughs> saying, I am going to take my little y- yippy Yorkie dog and celebrate <laughs> Golden Retriever Day. That doesn't work. There's a, there's a disconnect right there. That's because all dogs should be like Pepper May. So we're going to, uh, if we had National Pepper May Day, yep. we would, uh, every person who has a Doberman or a Pitbull or a Yorkie would be celebrating Pepper May Day Pepper May Day by honoring their dog? Yeah. Even though it's not the same breed as Pepper? It's okay. Okay. Pepper May can represent everyone, just like the gumdrops. Did you know you could put gumdrops in cookies? Why would you? To make a cookies chewy. But those are decent. I, I've had those. Those are decent. <laughs> or decorate the cut cakes or cupcakes. But the only way you do that is is you take them off the cake so you can eat the cake. <laughs> Get rid of the gumdrop. Get to the cake. I'm with you there. <laughs> well, if you love gumdrops, today is your day. We love it when you join our conversation. 800-555-7898. Why not take Dawn and Steve with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Well, it's National Single Awareness Day. It is so felt right around Valentine's Day. And Mary Van Wielden has said, hey, there are some things that we as fellow church members, fellow believers, fellow sojourners, however you want to look at it, say to folks that are single that are just super not helpful and usually unsolicited. I might add that. Yeah. Uh, that may not be helpful in and of itself. So looking at some of the things Mary gives us a heads up about, I, I think these are very valuable having single people in my life. One of the things that we might say is an old cliche. You really have to be content. I mean, how sincere are we when we say this? Be content before God will give you a spouse. Now, that kind of we're, we we are presupposing a few things here. Sure. When we say something like that, first, we assume that that single person is not content in their relationship with the Lord. That's a huge 
presupposition. The second one is that married people, we're kind of suggesting that all married people are content as they are in their relationship with the Lord and with one another. And then thirdly, this kind of foolishly implies that we identify a formula for God's providence. Ooh, that's a dangerous place to be. So three things that uh, are not super helpful when we say something like, you have to be content. That's very, very true. Not helpful at all. And as you point out, maybe they are content. Maybe like the Apostle Paul, they've kind of learned the secret to contentment, knowing that in Christ, they can find contentment, knowing that in Christ, they can lean into God's promises and ask for strength and comfort. Mm-hmm. And you think about uh, when, when Paul was talking about the secret of uh, contentment, he says this in the context of um, just knowing that he has had good and bad and ups and downs and challenges and blessings and all of these things. And he's, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I have learned to be in content. So as a single person, whether you're married, whether you're not, learning to be content in that relationship with the Lord is huge. Another thing that can be potentially uh, not helpful sure. to say, well, you're so wonderful. You're such a great catch. I, why hasn't somebody snapped you up yet? Oh, uh, stop. Okay. Just stop. Yes. And, and I understand. <laughs> sure. You may, it it feels like a backhanded compliment almost, mm. right? It's like, you seem to be so great. What's the thing that's wrong with you that we don't know? Uh. Yeah. I mean, and seriously, if we're honest, we have all either had that said to us when we're single or we have said it to someone else. And we're trying to be encouraging, but it's really not. It does. It kind of backfires. So what could we say instead? Mary says, you know what? If that brother or sister is so wonderful, just tell them why they're wonderful. Don't don't kind of capitalize on what makes them single and what the catch is. But look at who they are, because all of us, single person, married person, our primary identity, a sinner who has been redeemed. Mm. We can look at Galatians 3 and Colossians 3. God brings good people into our lives in a lot of different contexts relationally. But ultimately, the one context that is most important is who we are in Christ. Yeah, that is huge. Mm -hmm. Knowing that, that, another thing, not helpful. Your turn is coming. Mm. How do you know? Yeah, I mean, it is true. God may have that for that person's future. He may not. So to be like, ah, oh, your turn is coming. It's kind of like in the midst of uh, bad things where you're like, well, it's going to be okay. Well, in the grand scheme of eternity, because God is sovereign, mm-hmm. it will be. But you know what? Sometimes the felt pain is very, very real. And that can, when we want to say, well, your turn is coming. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through that. Those may be true in a sense, but it's like making a promise to somebody that we can't keep. You're kind of stepping on their pain. Right. I I had not heard that phraseology, stepping on someone's pain, until you said it uh, years ago. You know, all uh, two and a half, three years (laughs) Since we've known each other for (laughs) not even three years. Yeah. But it it makes such sense, and oftentimes we're trying to be encouraging, but we're truly stepping on somebody's pain. They're struggling. There's despair and disquiet in their souls and hearts, and they're trying to learn to trust God. And here's what we have to remember. Again, married, single, that sanctification process, Mm -hmm. what God is at work doing in our lives individually, it is a work of His Spirit. 
And to to not hamper that is what would be very helpful when we are trying to encourage one another. You can look at the goodness of God. Second Timothy yeah. talks about this and companionship and community fellowship. That is going to be eternal. And so knowing who we are in Christ is the most important relationship that we will ever have. So saying it's your turn, that day's coming. Well, the truth is that the day of the Lord is coming. That's a glorious day when we're going to meet our bridegroom. Isaiah 62 talks about that. And in Christ, we are triumphant. Are we talking about that with one another? Single, married, doesn't matter. Are we talking about our identity in Christ? That is such a huge thing. Sometimes we find our identity in those relationships around us. Mm -hmm. You know, who do we know? The the, uh, marriage that we have or don't have, and we can be tempted to find our identity in so many other places. But once we understand our identity is to be found in Christ, that can be a huge game changer. And really, that can lead to that contentment that we might be pursuing. Mm Because once we know we're his, well, there is a, a peace that comes with that. You're listening to Sparkle and Chill on Moody Radio. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning. And we are glad you are with us as we begin a conversation with Bill Hendricks. He is the president of the Giftedness Center. He is author of a ton of books, including The Person Called You, Why You're Here, Why You Matter, and What You Should Do With Your Life. Bill, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Don. Great to be with you all this morning and your listeners. Well, I think all of us have probably asked questions along those lines. Why am I here? Why do I matter? And I don't even begin to know what to do with my life. If <laughs> if I'm in a situation like that right now, Bill, how do I begin to find answers to big, big questions like that? Well, you need to start with the realization that God has put you here. God's put you here for a purpose. And many people are struggling with even why life matters. Every one of us is here by divine appointment. So that's kind of a foundation that we build from. And then on top of that, we realize that God has shaped us, designed us, made us a certain way for that particular purpose. Mm -hmm. He has. But to find that, we sometimes get lost as a ball in tall weeds, as we say down here in the South. We just cannot seem to find our giftedness and understand or embrace the design that he has put on our lives. So, Bill, if we look first at what is giftedness, how would you help us define that? Yeah, the simple, simplest definition I know for giftedness is it's what you're born to do. Everybody's born to do something. One person, they're born to solve problems. They never met a problem they didn't want to solve. Somebody else is to meet a big challenge and climb the mountain and plant the flag of victory at the top. Somebody else is to understand something at a very deep level. Somebody else is to get people to respond to them and influence their behavior. I could go on and on about all the different kinds of giftedness that there are out there. But each one of us has something that it's a pattern of behavior in our life we come back to again and again and again. It's how we embrace the world. It's how we see the world and, what again, what God has shaped us to incline toward. Hmm. And if we can catch on to that, that really is a key to what we were put here to do. You know, how do we figure that out? Because, I, you yeah. know, I can look at certain people and their giftedness. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's really cool. I like that. Yep. Or I like the, the, the way that person did that thing. I, yep. I want to go after that. 
And especially if we're kind of unsure. So how do we begin to hone in on, no, this is my specific giftedness? Yeah. Well, you, you, you put your finger on it there, Steve. We see other people's giftedness, but we don't see our own. Right. Why would that be? Well, because we live inside our skin. Think about it this way. We live inside our skin, which means it's a physical impossibility to see our own face. We see every other face in the world. The one face we can't see is our own. Same thing applies to our giftedness. We live inside our skin. We see other people's giftedness. Sometimes it looks very impressive. But when we use our own giftedness, we don't think about using it. We just use it. It doesn't seem remarkable. Unless somebody from the outside holds up a mirror and says, oh, here's what you're doing and celebrates it. Here's the value of what you're doing. It just proves a bit elusive. But remember what I said. Giftedness is a pattern of behavior in your life, which means if you go back in your life and you come up with, well, what were activities that I did that I, I enjoyed doing, I gained energy from doing? That's the telltale sign that your giftedness is engaged in an activity, is that you enjoyed it. Could be very simple things. All the way back to childhood to the present, you, you get a, a number of those activities, and then you tell the stories of what you did and how you did it in those activities to uh, somebody else, and then together, you go back and you look through all those stories, you will start to see that there's a very distinctive pattern of behavior. And it points unmistakably to what it is that you're designed to do. You know, Bill, I, I hear what you're saying. And I know that we have the ability to do that, to track backwards, to see what we've been accomplishing. But we don't always see it super clearly off the bat. What we do see is our epic failures And that seems to define who we are in the career and life choices that we make. How can we guard against that or what can we learn from them? Well, again, I always recommend that people do this exercise with somebody else. You need another person from the outside because there's things that you won't see because, again, you live inside your skin. But you raise a great point, Don. I believe that most people are in touch with what I call the bad truth about who they are, their sins, Mm -hmm. their failures their weaknesses, their skeletons in the closet, their dysfunctions. And let's be honest, all that stuff's there. That's why I call it truth. I mean, we need a savior. We need somebody to rescue us out of the mess that we're in. But there's also a good truth about who we are. That's the image of God in us, that God has has designed us to mirror him, image him in some unique way. And so as we look at these things, Remember, we're looking at the positive moments of your life when you were doing something that you enjoyed doing. You know, you go to a therapist, you tell them about the worst moments of your life, they'll tell you what's wrong with you. Here, we want you to tell us about the best moments of your life so that we can discover what is right with you. Mm-hmm. BillHendricks.net, you can do that and get a lot more information as we speak with him today about the person called you, which is one of the resources you'll connect with there at BillHendricks.net. The person called you, why you're here, why you matter, and what you should do with your life as we seek after the Lord and how he has designed us. This conversation, of course, is going to continue, and you are welcome to join it. 800 800- Five 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 seven eight nine eight, and we'll connect you with Bill through our Facebook page. That's Don and Steve in the morning. 
Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the morning. We're glad you're here. Call or text 800-555-7898 to join the conversation. You know who else we're glad is here? That is Bill Hendricks as we talk about your book, Bill. The person called you, why you're here, why you matter, and what you should do with your life. And we've connected you to Bill through our Facebook page. Or let us know. That same number Briggs just gave you. We can send you the link. Bill, there are so many folks that are maybe committed to a company that they have been serving. The company serving them, too, giving a paycheck. But it's been so long, and the fire has run out, and you feel like, what am I doing still here? But yet you've got so many years committed, it's kind of unaffordable to step out of what you've been doing. And yet you do feel like you're not fulfilling all that God has called you to do. How, if you're stuck there, how do you change that trajectory? Well, I certainly don't recommend anybody just quit your job and, you know, move to Hollywood to be an actor, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You've obviously got responsibilities to, to fulfill, but you can still inquire as to what is that thing, that giftedness that you were born to do. And even if you do it avocationally, you need to do it for two reasons. One is it gives you energy, which is life to you. It's it's the wellspring of your very being. And secondly, somehow, even outside of work, that makes a contribution to the world that we desperately need. I have a friend who uh, he spent 25 years as an accountant. And, and I said to him, you know, the world, the, the world lost a great the stage lost a great talent the day you decided to go into accounting. And he, he literally broke into tears. And I said, I'm sorry. He said, no, I was going to be an actor. But my dad told me, son, that's totally uh, impractical. Hmm. You took a test. It said you're good with numbers. You should be an accountant. As long as we have a tax code, you'll have a job. Well, he took what I gave him and he he uh, discovered community theater, and today he's the most satisfied, fulfilled man I think I've ever met, even though he's still an accountant. Mm-hmm. But he's got plans for when he leaves accounting to pursue that gift in a much more intensive way. But the life that it gives him, more importantly, he's the only person in this troop of actors that he works with who knows Jesus. And he realizes that's why God gave me the gift so that I could be with these folks and show them what love is about. Mm, love that and uh, how he is with intentionality uh, yep. aware of that. Sometimes we end up taking jobs not because of intentionality, but out of necessity. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think of what the economy has been through in the past number of years. And there may be some people who are. Uh, have had to say yes to a job that they don't like, and and they had to do it just to put bread on the table. And so uh, would you have a similar answer, or would it be a little bit different for the person who said, I I hear you, Bill, but how does my giftedness fit when I just took this job because I had to pay the bills? Well, sometimes we have to do that. I'm very practical about that. But don't just settle. Don't just say, well, I guess this is as good as it gets for me. Remember, giftedness is not a luxury. It's a reality. It's the way humans are made. And if I could use the analogy, people are like tools. So, you know, a hammer may occasionally have to take a job scrambling eggs, but that's not what it was designed to do. So even while it's scrambling eggs, it needs to look around to find out where's some nails that I can go drive because that's what I was born to do. Mm -hmm. That's what I do best. Can you tell us a story? I know you've worked with a lot of people, someone that you've connected with and you have helped them tell this story like you are telling us through the book, The Person Called You. Can you share one of the success stories, if you will? 
Well, it's fairly dramatic, um, and I don't intend that everybody's going to end up this way, but I did work with a man who was about 30 years old, called me up and said, I'm, I'm hating life. I said, tell me about it. He said, I'm laying tile, and I just can't stand it anymore. Now, let me clarify. Some people are born to lay tile. They love to do it. They're great at it. That's that's wonderful. This guy was not. And when I uh, did a discovery of his giftedness, discovered I was dealing with what we might call a modern day Leonardo da Vinci. This guy had all kinds of ability to look into the properties of materials and understand how they work and then create a uh, a, a whole imaginative uh, rendering with these materials, whether it was stone or wood or water or whatever. Roll the clock forward 10 years later, uh, two years ago, this man and his father, uh, rendered a sculpture, $22 million sculpture on the National Monument or on the National Mall uh, as a monument. And uh, it, it was unveiled. Hmm. And uh, think of that 10 years before that guy was laying tile. Yeah. But he didn't know what his giftedness was. And so he, he, he didn't trust it. He didn't lean into it. And it took him a while to kind of, you know, for his ship to come in. But it did come in. Yeah. And while maybe not as dramatically, I could give you hundreds of stories of people like that. Once they discover what their giftedness is and they lean into it, they trust God, God shows up, amazing things can happen. Well, that might be something that you identify with. And you're saying, oh, man, I want to go deeper. Then we want to connect you with Bill Hendricks and his book, The Person Called You. He also has a book out helping uh, parents help their kids discover their giftedness. And so we want to connect you with Bill. His website is billhendricks.net. Or we'll link you to that through the Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Morning. You're listening to Moody Radio.